The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. If a Middle Earth elf lived today in Southern California, how would she celebrate and support the arts, music, and her community? What would Arwen do? Thursdays with me, Tani Tuduvio, on KCI 88.9 FM and streaming live at KCI.org. Ellen Salalumen Amentielva. Sounds of the Anteater Kingdom on 88.9 FM KUCI in Irvine. And Michael Vanin and Suilade to all my elf friends. I am Tani Tenuvio, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. And coming up in just a few moments, an elvish perspective on life on what would Arwen do here on KUCI, Orange County's alternative radio station, KUCI, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Incredible music, award-winning music from Howard Shore from the original soundtrack to The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And uh, that was from music from Rivendell. And, of course, now we have The Lord of the Rings, The Complete Recordings, which is one of my most favorite things (laughs) in life. And we will be hearing a little bit... um, from that in just a little bit. In case you are just tuning in, this is What Would Arwen Do on every Friday morning now for the summer, every other week on Alternating Weeks with Phenomenal Woman. And this is the show where we ask, I ask, and my co-host, I will be uh, introducing a very fun fellow Middle Earthian uh, a little in a few moments. Uh, but this is the show where we ask if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Orange County, California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts and music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? Which I think is a very good question, but I like to ask, what would Arwen do? What would an elf do? <laughs> In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias wrote, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. 
So I believe that this, quote, elven quality exists today in every living person and yearns for expression through gifts of creativity, nobility, and service to others. And in case you're not familiar, Arwen was the daughter of Elrond. Uh, She was an elf princess, uh, Elrond being a prince among elves and the lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, I think not unlike uh, the community of people and students here at UC Irvine in California. But one of the things I love about Middle-earth and uh, the world that J.R.R. Tolkien introduced us to is that it is full of archetypes, archetypes for living, and that's how I uh, look to the elves as um, embodying what is best and noblest. And if I can aspire to be a good elf, well, then perhaps also I can be a good human being. So the show, it's been uh, four years now, and uh, so I thought, you know, we, it's time for to, to bump things up a little bit. Uh, in a couple of years, the Hobbit movies will be coming out, and I've been wanting to have a co-host for some time, but it's, you know, I wanted to find just that right person, someone who is interested in uh, all things Middle Earth, who can kind of interact on these on some of these levels, who has a love for the works of J.R.R. Tolkien and the movies. And wouldn't you know, right here at KCI, KCI is such a wonderful place. Um, being part of the community of DJs here has been absolutely life-changing for me. And in case you are just uh, tuning in, and or perhaps you're just moving back, to campus, or you're just moving here as a student, or you're just tuning in from the community, uh, KUCI is one of the, is a college radio station, and it is also one of the few radio college stations that opens their um, trainings to community members. Uh, once a year, we open our trainings to community members, and it's usually in the uh, spring or the summer. And um, But also, if you are part of the faculty, staff, or students here at UCI, you can come and take the training and perhaps discover a secret passion of your own. Maybe you were meant to be in radio, or maybe you just uh, would like to have something to give you a little break from all that studying and and hard work that you're doing. And uh, you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful way just to to kind of connect with people and to express your passion. We have great uh, music programming here, great public affairs programming. So you want to keep an eye on our website at www.kuci.org for our next training, which will be happening in the fall. So having said that, though, I want to introduce um, my new co-host and good morning. (laughs) Oops, we need to get the the speaker. uh, we just—I just discovered his his Hobbit name. My new co-host is a Hobbit, and Milo. Good morning, Tani. This Good. is Milo Longsdown. Longsdown, I love that, and um, I love that you are a Hobbit. You seem very Hobbitish. Um, I like to eat a lot. Well, and you know, J.R. Tolkien, he he um, said if he was would have been one of the characters of Middle Earth, he he would have been a, a Hobbit, and we see him often with his pipe. And because he too he he liked to eat and eat frequently, and he loved the earth, was a great lover of the earth. Isn't the earth wonderful to be able to go through all the beautiful trees and the flowers? In Southern California, we're very very fortunate because parts of Southern California are very reminiscent 
of that wonderful, fertile Hobbiton area that I come from. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think one of the things that I love about hobbits is that I think um, in the world of Middle Earth, if there is another um, another group of beings that loves and cherishes the Earth um, as much or more than the elves, it would be the hobbits. Um, wizards are concerned with other things. Mortals are concerned with other things. Ents even are just concerned with their with their own, you know, forests and and uh, communities. But hobbits loved the earth, and I think that they also uh, saw themselves as stewards. And um, they they just they they cherished the gifts of the earth as as food to eat, so they enjoyed those frequently. And um, you know, Sam was a gardener, loved to get his fingers into the earth. So I love that about hobbits. We love living in the earth, actually being part of the earth is living in our tunnels. We love to burrow into the earth a little bit and become a part of the earth. Absolutely, which is very similar to the elves. Many of the elven kingdoms were uh, delved deep underground. Um, Well, we just have a few minutes before I just looked up at the clock and realized that our guest is going to be coming on. And um, Milo, this morning we have... Uh, we are interviewing, um, where did I put the paper here? It's, her name is Jillian. I just met Jillian uh, recently at the Whole Foods Market. She was doing a food demo there for healthy food for dogs. Wonderful. And I thought, how wonderful. Sometimes I think that we, um, we think about our own health and we start changing our own diets and we're very conscious and we start to start moving more toward natural raw foods and organic foods, but we keep feeding our dogs maybe things that aren't so good for them. <laughs> and that's a shame because they're also creatures of the earth and our wonderful companions, in many ways our best friends, and we should feed them at least as well as we feed ourselves. Absolutely, and I think sometimes we just don't think about those things. And the fact that we have, I believe, that we have a responsibility, especially to all of these little animals that we have domesticated. Um, if they were not domesticated, they would be out on their own in the wild and, you know, taking care of themselves. But we bring them into our homes and then and they can't, you know, whether it's a bunny or a dog or a cat or whatever, they no longer can fend for themselves in the wild. And so I think we have a responsibility to treat them with as much love and respect as we do ourselves and our other fellow people that, you know, are siblings and family that we share the planet with. Absolutely, because they give us so many so many wonderful things, and they're so dependent on us. Absolutely. Well, and I always like to share a little bit from the world of Middle Earth, and some people think, well, there's not much about dogs in Middle, in Middle Earth. However, there is the Hound of Huan, the Hound of Valinor, who, if you want to um, know more about his story and his background, of course, you will find it in The Silmarillion, which was written by J.R.R. Tolkien, but compiled and edited by his son, Christopher Tolkien. I am so grateful to Christopher Tolkien, because were it not for him and his labors of love on behalf of Middle-earth, we would not have this beautiful volume. Um, have you read The Silmarillion? Oh, yes. It's 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 uh, The first time I picked this up, um, and I started reading it. It was it was early in my introduction to Middle Earth, but I it was like I just went to a magical place. I picked this up and I was like, oh my gosh, I I'm this is the history of my people. <laughs> and so I I do in fact love Samarian. And our guest will be calling uh, probably any moment, so we may need to um, uh, take a moment to to answer the phone. But I did want to read uh, a little bit this morning about the Huan, the Hound of 
Valinor, and that will be found in the story of Berin and Lucien, uh, Juan befriended and loved Lucien, and uh, took care of her. In fact, lost his life. Uh, well, I'll let you. I'll let you, I'll let the readers discover that. But I wanted to read just a little bit about him. He came. Uh, Juan came from Valinor, so he was from Elvenholm. And it says here, now the chief of the wolfhounds that followed Kelligorm was named Huan. He was not born in Middle-earth, but came from the Blessed Realm, for Orome had given him to Kelligorm long, long ago in Valinor, and there he had followed the horn of his master before evil came. Huan followed Kelligorm into exile and was faithful, and thus he too came under the, do, do, <laughs> under the doom of woe set upon the Noldor, and it was decreed that he should meet death, but not until he encountered the mightiest wolf that would ever walk the earth. And it says, Huan it was that found Lucien flying like a shadow, surprised by the daylight under the trees, when Kelligorm and Kurufun rested a while near to the western eaves of Dariath. And so we go on and we hear a little bit about the story of what happens with Lucien being, as she thought, rescued by um, Kiligorm and Kurufin, but she had to indeed um, uh, escape from <laughs> from them, with which she did with the, with the help of Juan. And you know what? Our guest is on the phone. So if you would like to hear more about the Hound of Valinor, you will have to pick up the Silmarillion, and you'll find most of that story in the story of uh, Berin and Lucien. So with that, we are going to get, I'm going to cut to some music in honor of uh, Milo joining us this morning. We have some music from the Shire, from uh, the Lord of the Rings, the complete recordings. And so this will give us a little transition in case you are not, have not uh, picked up the complete recordings. You might want to get that at your local bookstore. I think you can also get it online. Has all of the wonderful music from the Lord of the Rings. This from the Fellowship of the Ring, KUCI in Irvine. Enchanting music from the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, the complete recordings. And that was uh, from Disc One, The Shire. And um, a little bit later, I hope you'll stay tuned because we will be hearing one of my very favorite Hobbit songs in honor of Milo joining the show today. Um, Flaming Red Hair, which is the party dance song from Bilbo's birthday party where Sam and Rosie get to dance. So a little something to look forward to toward the end of the show. However, it is time. Our guest is here, and my guest this morning, our guest this morning, is Jillian Plaster. And just a little bit about Jillian and the Good Dog Food Company. Uh, the Good Dog Food Company was started by Jillian and Ian Kester in March of 2008. Jillian, a native, a native Las Vegan, graduated from the University of Richmond in Virginia, where she spent a year in Italy learning about the country's culture and cuisine. She met Ian after, 
afterwards at Leon Cordon, Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts, where they both attended and took classes in French cuisine and nutrition. Ian, who worked as a cook since he was 15, has held jobs at gourmet restaurants on the Strip, such as Commander's Palace and Ali's. Upon graduating from school, the couple introduced a lovable bulldog, Trucker, into their family. It was difficult to find a food they felt was good enough for truckers, so they started using their culinary backgrounds and expertise expertise to create fresh meals for him made with the most wholesome and healthiest ingredients they could find. After encouragement from fam- family and friends, they decided to turn what they were doing into a business. They hired a doctor of veterinary nutrition to professionally formulate the food and also enlisted the help of a master herbalist. Now they can bring your dog an incredibly nutritious diet that will get your companion as excited about mealtimes as you are. So, Jillian, thank you. Wel- welcome and good morning. Oh, Jillian, hi. Hi, can you hear me? <laughs> I can now. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. No, that was on that was on my end. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. And uh, Milo is here as well. Good morning, Jillian. Hello, Milo. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful Middle Earth day. Yes. Good. <laughs> so how's, how's the, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I should ask, how's the weather out in Las Vegas? Miserable. Uh, <laughs> hot, hot, hot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we had a, some rain a little bit ago. That was nice. Oh, but really? now it's just hot. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's kind of interesting. We've been having some overcast mornings here in, uh, I always like to think of Newport Beach as the phallus, the, um, the, um, the coastlands of Middle Earth, and uh, it gets a little warm here sometimes, but lately it's been absolutely lovely, and I love when we have overcast mornings and kind of ease into the day. So I'm glad that you had a little bit of Definitely. a little bit of rain out there in the desert. So you have, you and your husband, have started this good dog food company, uh-huh. and uh, inspired by your love for your dog, which I think is wonderful. <laughs> yes, we actually have two. We were inspired by Drucker, but then we were so inspired by him that we got another one, Penelope. So now we have two in our family. Drucker and Penelope, that's wonderful. So um, one of the things I'd like to just touch on a little bit is uh, the idea that a lot of times I think people don't think with very much intention about their, you know, feeding their animals, these animals that are our friends and our companions and that we have domesticated and yet we still just, you know, kind of, I think sometimes we want to give them the equivalent of packaged, you know, um, frozen pizzas uh, while we are moving more toward organic and natural foods in our own diet. And, uh, but you guys are here to rescue people and rescue animals from the kind of, you know, kibble, <laughs> kibble, kibble type of meals. So tell us a little bit about this. Well, the kibble diet is probably the least natural for a dog when you think of what they would have eaten. Um, and, you know, what's really more important than what goes, goes in your pet's body than what they're, uh, what they're eating. So, um, you know, it's, it's so important to take care of them in that way. And we, you know, got a little freaked out with the pet food recalls and, um, you know, just what we know is in food if they're reading about it. So mm-hmm. we started just making sort of simple recipes from uh, from scratch, and and then we got concerned that maybe we weren't giving them a complete diet, even though the food we were giving them was good. Maybe we were missing some of the nutrients they needed. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, you know, so we started sending the food to a lab, actually, and getting the results back, and we tweak one thing, and another, you know, the level of another nutrient would either increase or decrease. So that's when we really needed the help of a professional who has, you know, they have computer programs that can do all of this now. Right. Um, so we definitely wanted to make sure that the food wasn't just made with the best ingredients, but that it also was meeting all of their needs. So a lot of people, you know, just feed their dogs, you know, dry dog food, and uh, which, you know, if you think about it, I mean, what animal in the wild eats hardened, dry <laughs> chunks of whatever? Right. Um, so can you tell us a little bit, of, you know, how, how would someone know if they're feeding their dog a good quality food that's going to sustain them and give them health and vitality and not create problems for them, especially later in life? Well, um, first thing to look out for is uh, animal proteins at the top of the, um, the ingredient list. Those are of higher biological value to dogs, and um, this makes sense because, you know, normally they would just go out and kill meat on their own, so that would be the number one thing they were eating. Um, and then also, you know, of course, whole vegetables and, or fruits and grains. Um, they have all of their vitamins and enzymes and antioxidants intact, so those are great things to look out for. Um, I think organic ingredients are great. They're not only better for our planet, but they're also great for dogs with cancer, chemical sensitivities, other serious health problems, um, and it, I believe it's been proven that their nutrient value is, in fact, higher than their um, conventional counterparts. So, mm-hmm. And then the things to avoid would be meat byproducts, Poultry byproducts, most people have heard of that and know to look out for that. Um, that protein in those just isn't as usable. Um, of course, you know, avoid any added sweeteners, um, preservatives such as BHA, BHT, ethoxyquin, and, uh, of course, artificial colors. Artificial colors more often occur in treats than in food, but they also are in food. So just want to avoid anything that's uh, chemical in there. Uh, Jillian, have you had the chance to bring in any veterinarians and looking at um, the meal requirements of a of a dog, and particularly the the good dog food that that you folks have created? Absolutely, we've taken our food to several vets, and they've all said that they would absolutely recommend it to someone that was looking for an all natural. Uh, food, fresh food, um, and the difficult thing with vets in terms of having our products sold within the, the clinics is that a lot of them have their educations paid for by major pet food companies, so it makes it difficult to get your um, get your foot in the door because they sort of have contracts with these big corporations. So whenever people, you know, tell me that they're their vets got their dog on a special diet, and, you know, I'm sure that there's, you know, there are reasons for that. You know, either they need low protein or low fat or there's a reason for it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that because the vet recommended the food that it's a quality food. It may have the, um, you know, the correct ratios of what you're looking for, but veterinarians usually only take one course in nutrition their whole time in school, um, and... You know, so that's uh, definitely something to be a little bit wary of when um, going to your vet. Just want to make sure that you're still reading those ingredient labels, and um, you know, not just not just taking their word for something they may not know as much about as as you would hope. You make a very good point. When we are eating food these days, we all look at nutrition labels on our food. We should definitely be looking at the ingredients for our pets' food. Absolutely. 
And it's interesting, too, um, that you would bring that up about veterinarians, because I know for myself, um, you know, quite some time ago as I began a quest for improving my own health, I was having some health problems, went to the doctor. Of course, they did these tests. They said, you know, I was having all this pain in my joints, and they said, well, you don't have arthritis. You know, we can't find any reason, but... Um, we can't find any cause of it, but, you know, take these ibuprofen, you know, four right. or five times a day. And I was like, this is not, um, and I actually was able to completely correct the situation and am pain-free by changing my lifestyle and changing my diet. And yep. and and it's amazing to me that, you know, I also discovered that in mainstream medicine, most doctors are not, I think it's changing a, a little nowadays, but really don't really look at the area of nutrition with regards to um, helping us to be responsible for our health. So I find it interesting that um, also with our um, animal companions, that veterinarians uh, only have a small amount of, you know, training in nutrition. You know, whereas animals, just like us, the thing that fuels our bodies is the food and things that we take into our, into, you know, into our bodies. And so, and I think we don't, we don't really look at how far we've kind of removed ourselves from the natural way that, that um, we would eat. And we're, we're, you know, many of us are moving back toward that, eating more raw food, eating more natural food and more organic food. But we, you know, it, it needs to trickle down further, I think, to our pets because the pets are still, you know, as I mentioned, kind of getting the, you know, the cardboard, <laughs> the cardboard pizza diet. Exactly. And good nutrition is a, you know, that's taking a preventative approach rather than just trying to solve problems as they occur. And I think a lot of people don't realize how, you know, within their own bodies and in their pets' bodies, how what they're ingesting could really be what's, um, you know, what's hurting them and causing their problems. And then they, you know, turn to doctors because doctors are great. I mean, it's great to have people you can go to that can can fix problems. But um, I think that it needs to be a more holistic approach, you know, where you're taking a lot more into consideration than just the, you know, the end result or what you're going to, you know, it's just one thing on top of another. What Like how so many Americans are on multiple prescriptions now and they mm-hmm. need one thing to, you know, help with the side effects of this other pill that they're taking and then something else for the side effects of that one. And then before you know it, you've got about, you know, 20 pills in front of you that you're right. taking every day as you get older and that's just not, um, you know, there are a lot of other things that you can do to avoid that, I think, just like you mentioned with yourself, you know, just... You can change your diet, change your lifestyle, you know, exercise is a huge part. I mean, traditionally, you know, people have had to work a lot, work hard with their bodies, and now we live such sedentary lifestyles that if we don't make an effort to, you know, still get our blood flowing and our, you know, muscles growing, then it's, um, you know, it can just lead to more problems and obesity, and it just gets worse and worse, and it's very evident by uh, you know, what we see in America right now, the right. obesity epidemic. So, Well, and we see that, I think, with regards to our pets. It's amazing to me how many of um, people I know that either have their dogs on a diet mm-hmm. <laughs> or they have their dogs on some kind of um, medication or their dogs are, you know, getting scheduled for surgery. And I think sometimes, well, what if when we got our little um, 
companions, you know, as a puppy or something. And what if from that time, you know, from that point, we were giving them good, solid nutrition and making sure that they were getting enough exercise. It's always, you know, I understand that people love their pets and they love having um, the companionship of creatures, but sometimes I feel really sad for um, dogs, Ew. large dogs, and then people, uh, you know, someone who lives in a, a small apartment complex, and here's an animal that normally would be running, you know, working those large muscle groups, and, the, you know, the dog's fortunate if it gets out for a walk around the block once or twice a day. I know, I know. It is really sad because it's not, not everybody really should have a pet. And when people say, you know, I ask them if they have a dog, if they say no, they don't have the time, I think that's great because, you know, it's not, um, you really, it, they're a huge time commitment and you want to make sure that you're doing the best for them. And the sad thing is that, you know, now the pop, pet population has just gotten out of control. So, of course, people want to, you know, bring in pets into their home because that's, you know, much better than, you know, having them euthanized. But at the same time, there's, you know, there's a lot of problems and issues that we need to correct as a society to um, sort of make that happen. Well, and I think it comes back again to taking responsibility for what we have created. We have have taken these animals and domesticated them and allowed them to be proliferating and we have a responsibility you know these are these are little creatures that you know they're they're in that they're in that situation because of us not because of themselves um i wanted to ask you so the good um and your website is www.gooddogfoodcompany.com is that correct Correct. Um, so people can find out. I was on your website this morning, and I it was, it was very cute. Uh, lots of great information there about um, um, just you know things for the for the dog and, and uh, places that people can find uh, the dog food. So you are out of Las Vegas, but your food is available in other places. We are here in Irvine, California. Where's the closest place here locally? If uh, someone wanted to just go and buy the food, I, but I do want to mention that uh, people can also order online, right? So you ship. Um, yes, we do. We do ship. We don't like to during the summer because it is frozen, mm-hmm. um, but we certainly can. We just have, you know, just have ways of packing it. Um, but the closest in your area is the Whole Foods right there in Tustin, so it's not too far. And then um, is also that the. Uh, the district uh, shopping center, the district shopping center, I believe that yes. the Whole Foods is right next to the Best Buy store there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Right up and then one other thing I wanted to mention, too, about the um, website, you can also find all the companies that we get our ingredients from because it's not just in, you know, quality is so important, and it's not just the, you know, when you look at an ingredient label, it might you know, say an ingredient that you're not quite sure where that's coming from. So we, you know, we definitely like to disclose everywhere we're getting our ingredients from because we're getting them from the best suppliers of uh, human foods, not not pet foods. So, and that was just... one thing when uh, we talked when I got to uh, meet you over at Whole Foods. Uh, I guess it was about a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very impressed um, because you mentioned that you actually go out and. Uh, interview the companies that you get your uh, ingredients from there locally in Las Vegas. Is that correct? Yes, we make sure that we know exactly where everything's coming from. We actually have the we had been making it ourselves here in Vegas, and then uh, now we have um, we have a butcher with the USDA facility up in Oregon making it, and his facility is just incredible. He's one of the only butchers in the nation that actually has an open 
the window into his uh, into his processing plant, so you can see how they're doing everything, how clean they keep everything, and he's an excellent resource too for getting vegetables from local organic farmers. And we, you know, so it's great to have people that you work with that believe in what you do and that have, you know, the same level of integrity and and you know want to do good. So. I find it interesting that um, you do mention uh, fruits and vegetables. I think um, people don't really think about the fact that maybe dogs uh, need fruits and vegetables. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess the um, best way to look at it is when they were in the wild and they would go out and kill an animal, the first thing they would go for is the stomach. Hmm. And that's where all of the partially digested um, vegetables and grains that whatever that animal had eaten would be. So those are incredibly important because they do carry, they have so many vitamins and, and uh, minerals in them. And then, you know, the, the meat too has the, has the enzymes. But really when, um, you know, when they go right for that area, they're, they're trying to get those vegetables out of the animal because they, they instinctively know how important they are. And I think it's it's funny because uh, we don't think too much. Um, but I I have a friend who uh, whose dog loves um, uh, broccoli and vegetables, and he'd just as soon have that as any other. You know. Oh, my dog and, too. <laughs> and, and I think and it's like how often do we even think to offer our um, our our dogs? You know, I used to have a parrot, and I would make steamed broccoli, and I'd make you know actually a. I started off with a separate dish for him, but then it's just like we just would both eat our broccoli. But he, you know, and you don't think about animals because if they're in the wild, they would be getting these things for themselves, and uh, they wouldn't be going out looking for little, you know, chunks of brown something or other (laughs) to be eating. Yeah, no, it's so true. Exactly. They're not going to go out for bacon. I have a question, Jillian. Uh, You know, some, some of my friends have companions that are cats, have you considered founding the Good Cat Food Company? We have, of course, we have. People have, um, you know, been asking us, and I, I had a little cat Sam when I was growing up, um, and I haven't had a cat since then. So I guess that the uh, reason why we're more inspired to do the food for dogs is because we have dogs. So, but certainly uh, because of the interest of you know so many customers, I think that we will eventually come out with a cat food line, although it is a completely different science. Some people say that, you know, their, their cats will eat our dog food, <laughs> and they love it. And um, But, you know, cats have no actual nutrient requirement for carbohydrates, um, whereas dogs do. So uh, cats, you know, they need high levels of taurine. So it's really, it's a completely different formula. Um, so I really, I strongly don't suggest that people feed dogs and cats the other's food because it's just not um, formulated for their body. So as soon as we, um, you know, we have a few more recipes that we're coming out with uh, in our food. The first one we have out um, is our original recipe called Trucker's Muttloaf. And we've got a few others, Lucy's Little Lamb Dinner and um, Penelope's Grain Free Feast. That one's after our second dog. So after we get those out, then I think we'll seriously look into the cat food because, uh, there's certainly a need for good quality cat food as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> Again, um, you are tuning in to KUCI in Irvine 
Orange County's alternative radio station. My guest this morning is Jillian Plaster the of the Good Dog Food Company out of Las Vegas. But uh, these, this Good Dog Food is available right here in Southern California at your local, uh, over at our local Whole Foods Market, which is right up here off of Jamboree and Barranca. Uh, in case you're looking, and people, um, Jillian, do you have a phone number too? In case people, anybody wanted to call, um, absolutely. It's seven zero two four nine six four zero zero six. Great. And so, and if they're looking for this dog food, they're not going to find it on the dog food aisle, right? No, they will find it in <laughs> the really? freezer aisle. And at that particular Whole Foods, it's at the, uh, the front end of the freezer aisle, just sort of right as you come into the store. Um, on the right-hand side is the other frozen pet food. Some of uh-huh. the Whole Foods that were in actually a freezer in the pet food aisle, but um, not, the, not the particular Whole Foods intestine. So. That's, that's really wonderful because as a human being, if I have to have packaged food, I much prefer to have frozen peas than canned peas. So right exactly. there we know that the frozen food is generally going to be fresher and, and more valuable nutritionally than the canned. It's so true. And, you know, people that, you know, have asked us, are you going to turn into canned food or kibble? And um, because it is frozen, it is a bit more of a pain. You know, you have to store it in the freezer, and shipping is a bit of an issue. But really, I mean, that's the best way to retain all of those nutrients because we had all of our supplements and ingredients, except for the gently um, grass-fed beef and the uh, brown rice, after um, the cooking process. So they really do keep all of their enzymes intact, and then it's flash-frozen. So the maximum benefits of all of our ingredients are, can be utilized. Uh, well, Jolene, we don't mention uh, prices here on our show, but uh, some people may say, um, well, you know, this is kind of expensive, giving my dog organic frozen food and I feel like um, well these are creatures that we again that we have ourselves domesticated they they share our homes they share our lives they are a constant source of love and affirmation to us and don't they you know it's like maybe we could cut out um, you know a movie a week or cut out you know a few lattes or something (laughs) right and or carpool or something and you know invest that money in a nutritious um, in nutritious food for our pets and also not only because we love our pets and you know we I mean with our children we wouldn't we don't want to give them cardboard pizza all the time so no. you know we're giving them healthy organic food and more raw and fruits and vegetables so why don't we think about doing this also with our pets that share our home but also just from a practical standpoint if um, we know for ourselves now we're learning that if we eat healthy that it is also preventative with regards to health issues that we would have. And we see now, you know, so many people that are on things like acid reflux medicine and all that, and um, a lot of this has to do with, you know, all of the soda pop that we consume that really messes up the digestive system. But just from a a completely practical point of view, wouldn't it make sense to have, to invest a little more in healthy food for our dogs so that we don't have to have our dogs having surgeries and being on allergy medicines and going through all of that pain management and stuff when they get to be into their um, uh, and, senior years. As a hobbit, I'm all about practical things, <laughs> and I'd rather spend a penny today than have to spend $10 a year from now. 
It's yeah. it's more economical to spend a penny today than to spend ten years on surgeries and medicine years from now. Right. Not to mention all the heartache and the you know how awful it is to go through those sorts of things. So yes. It, and it's amazing to me, you know, when people, I have some friends have, that have rescue dogs, so a lot of their dogs, they, they get them with the, their problems already, you know, in full bloom. Um, I have a friend that has a couple of these cute little black dogs, and they have all kinds of health problems, a lot from just being, you know, not take, very well taken care of as they were younger. And, uh, but, you know, we're talking, you know, a thousands of dollars in in surgeries you know and the dogs aren't ready to die it's not like oh well you know the dogs just need to be let go the dogs aren't ready to die but they have these you know problems with their hips and their bones and um but you know so so just some something to think about you know especially if you have a dog uh there's some i can't remember what there's some type of dog that is kind of predisposed to hip um kind of hip Problems. That would be my dogs, <laughs> bulldogs. Oh, they yeah. are they are prone to hip dysplasia, um, and we put glucosamine in the food that helps with the joint. So there are a lot of things that you can uh, supplement their diet with that really can help with the problems they're predisposed for. Right, right. Well, so, Jillian, I want to thank you so much for being in the world. You and your husband being in the world, you know, taking your passion. Have you know. I'm, I, and I want to thank Trucker and Penelope for, for coming into your life and inspiring you, you know, out of your love for them that, you know, that you said, you know, we want our little animals to eat as well as we do. And out of that passion and that love has come the Good Dog Food Company where you now ha- are sharing this with other people who also want to be able to give their dogs a good, healthy diet. And it's so rewarding when you hear people say that they're, you know, their dog's allergy problems are ceasing or how much their dogs love the food and how good they feel about serving it. So it really, it's just, you know, you, you certainly get back a lot more than you give. Well, uh, say thanks to Trucker and Penelope. Milo, did I you will. want to say Thank something? Thank you and Milo for having me. Yes, Jillian, just one more time. I think it bears repeating your worldwide website, please. www.gooddogfoodcompany.com Great. And your phone number? 702-496-4006. And just also before we leave, I know you're going to be back here in Orange County because I think people would just be delighted to meet you. I, I was delighted to meet you. You're, you're just so full of uh, energy and light and, and fun. And uh, But you'll be back over here at uh, the Whole Foods Market, did you say? Um, I'll be uh, hopefully the I think realistically I'll get out there the third weekend of September. Um, but I will, I'll certainly contact their marketing department and let them know exactly which day I'll be there. So if somebody is interested, they could, um, they could just ask the marketing department as well, and they'll be able to tell you. And uh, will you be posting that up on your website? As- sure, I certainly can. Yeah, I that would be can. great. Because um, <clears throat> I know it was wonderful when I saw you before you were there and you were giving us some little samples. So yes, yeah. yes, that's great because there are. I would say, you know, most dogs aren't super uh, picky. There are some incredibly picky dogs, and those are the ones that I really like to give the samples to because once they eat it, they are not picky anymore, and their <laughs> owners are often very astonished that this dog that would only eat, you know, like homemade food or whatever they right. were, you know, cooking, that they're they're in love with this food and basically devouring the little container that the sample comes in. Yeah. So. 
Well, and having said that, that's it's interesting too, just to remind people because I I do have friends that do all of their cooking for their pets, but sometimes they're traveling or sometimes they're you know they've just got a really busy weekend and they don't have time to cook up a you know cook up oh, a chicken. So and this, time this this is a wonderful alternative to mm-hmm. um, you know just. F- to have in the freezer so that on the or if you you know you're going away for a weekend and your friend is uh, dog sitting for you you can make sure that your dog is having good food while you are away and not doing the cooking for him exactly and yeah we certainly know how time consuming cooking is so (laughs) but it's a labor of love (laughs) yes it is It, it, it exactly is it's the best way to put it because you do it because you know that it's the it's a better way to do it and it's it's feels so good to make other people so happy with a, a great meal and dogs included. Right, <laughs> so. right. Well, Jillian, again, thank you so much for being here this morning. And uh, I'll stay in touch, and I'll be looking on the website, and maybe I'll get to see you up here at Whole Foods in Irvine. That's right up on Bronca and Jamboree. Maybe I'll get to see you this coming September. Great. Thank you so much, Tony. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, Milo, wasn't she delightful? It's just the most valuable thing to be able to increase the health of the body and Mm. the spirit and the mind of our companions, our pets, our dogs. They'll be happier because they're happier, we'll be happier, and the whole earth will be happier as a result of, of us bearing our responsibilities and taking good care of our dependents. Well, and I think... You know, I, at least for me, I love I, where I live right now. We don't have any animals. I live with this wonderful woman. We just we're both busy, and we just you know. But I have so many friends and uh, who have uh, pets and animals and companions, and I get to you know help cat sit or dog sit or something at different times. So I get to interact with all, and they they just bring so much joy. They bring so much joy into our lives, and we should honor them by just t- taking the time, a little time, extra time, and a little extra money to make them, um, let them have nutritious food as well. And it's not really about the money. As a practical hobbit, I can tell you, if you spend a dime today, you'll you'll save $10 down the road. Absolutely. Well, Milo, it's been so wonderful having you here on the program. I'm so excited to have a co- my co-host, my co-hobbit host. <laughs> co- uh, I'm, co-host hobbit. I'm certainly looking forward to our rejoining two weeks from today. I'm going to look forward to meeting you two weeks from today, um, and uh, we will rearrange our schedules to make sure that this every two-week event continues for as long as uh as we can. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited, too, because you will be bringing some, I think between the two of us, we'll kind of get some um, some fire going and uh, just, could you do just a little something about yes, this? Because yes. I want to tell people that something to look forward to is this, some excerpts from this beautiful LP. We only have a couple of minutes until we have to transition out, but could you just give us a little plug for that? In the future, we'll be playing some excerpts from the Nickel Williamson uh, recording, the staged recording of The Hobbit from 1974. I have the original Argo long-playing vinyl records that he made under the direction of Harley Usel for the Argo Records, a division of the Decca Company in London. And Nicol Williamson, the great Shakespearean actor and movie actor, is just fabulous. The way he brings to life all the various characters, I think it's something to look forward to. Maybe we'll have a taste two weeks from today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Well, that is just about going to wrap it up. But as promised, we're going to be closing our time today 
I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> Closing our time today with the recording of A Flaming Red Hair, the Hobbit dance from the party, Bilbo's birthday party, in honor of Milo joining us. I love it when I saw Sam and Rosie dance. I know. Oh, that music. Thank you, Tommy, for playing it. You're very welcome. Well, my friends, Alin Salalumin Amentielvo, A Star Shines on the Hour of Our Meeting and on Ours, Milo. Until next week, uh, get out, give someone a big hug and a kiss, maybe a tree, maybe your pet. Uh, give and receive love freely. Discover what your passion is and find a way to bring it into the world. I promise you, not only will your life be enriched, but the lives of those around you. So this is KUCI in Irvine, Orange County's alternative radio station. And until next week, uh, Namaria. <laughs>